we believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your head, because your redemption draws near. And again, when that seven-year period unfolds, that last seven-year period of human history as we know it in this age, God renews that covenant with Israel. So let me take a detour on this just for a second. In the book of Daniel, God said exactly when the Messiah would come, when they would put forth the decree to rebuild the temple in the Old Testament, the first temple that was destroyed. When that decree went forth, it would be essentially 490 years until the Messiah would enter Israel the Messiah, the King of the Jews, which is Jesus in his first coming, he literally came on that very day, it can be proven, and present himself as their king. And they, you know, they said, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, all that. He, Jesus said, if you knew only this, your day, that was that day promise. But then in that Daniel prophecy about that day, it says, then the Messiah will be cut off. And there's, he's cut off with a seven-year period, incomplete. There's a seven-year incomplete period for the nation of Israel with their Old Testament covenant with God. It's like it's on hold. Like when you say, oh, put that in a pigeonhole, or put that in a fallen, wait for it. So that old covenant that God had with Israel, the Mosaic covenant, it was cut off for seven years. Christ dies on the cross, the church age, were the new and everlasting covenant. But when the church is taken out, then God pulls out that old file of seven years of unfinished covenant with the nation of Israel. And that's, that's the great tribulation period. The Bible draws distinctions of the seven years, the three and a half years in increments within it, and the 1260-day increment as well in Revelation. See, Jesus told the church, we do not know the day that he's coming. We need to be ready. He could come any moment, any hour. But in the book of Revelation, you can count the days 1260 from the time the Antichrist goes in the temple with the abomination of desolation till Christ returns. But that's for Israel. The church is any moment watching, waiting. So in this panoramic view of the end times, when you get near the very end, and we talked about the earthquakes and the wars and the rumors of wars and all that stuff last week, by Matthew's account, it seems to amplify that. So during that seven-year period of the Great Tribulation, there seems to be an amplification of things leading just the end of the age. Like, think how everyone's just like, like this, like the whole planet's like that. And things are amplifying toward the end of the age. But particularly at the very end of the age, in that tribulation period, the signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and it says in verse 26 that the powers of heaven will be shaken which is what the book of Revelation describes as well. And then it says on earth, men's hearts, uh, distress of nations, and men's hearts failing them. So there are two signs that deal with 
the very end of the end of the age, leading up to it, maybe events before the tribulation period, certainly during the tribulation period. And it is signs in the celestial realm and signs on earth. So the signs in the celestial realm, this is very consistent with scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Things are going to happen with our sun as it's perceived from planet earth that's going to be different. The sun is going to go through changes, and it's going to be different. That's why a lot of end-of-the-world movies always have something to do with the sun, right? Because it's biblical. Things are going to be different with the moon. The moon. Now, these two, gravita- you know, these, two pl- these two gravitational planets, they affect everything we do. They affect our tides. It affects, you know, God set it up like a clock. And, and those two things, the sun and the moon, which both serve their purpose in how God set up his universe and made this planet the crown jewel of the entire universe because you are the crown jewel of this universe. Jesus died for you on this planet. And the sin of our father Adam on this planet affects the entire universe as far out as the indefinite universe goes. And there's going to be signs. And it says there that powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, there are things that fall from the heavens in the book of Revelation and hit the earth and cause great, massive, cataclysmic destruction. Like, you know, there's all those movies. We've seen the movies like Asteroid. Didn't didn't Bruce Willis try and save the the planet once, you know, in a movie in the 90s, you know, going out to this asteroid, whatever. Like, these things that, that men fear and make movies about, they come from a biblical base, Joey, what are you saying? I'm saying the whole, the whole outer space is going to change at the end of the age as it affects this planet, because it says it right here. Jesus said it. Signs in the sun, the moon, and the powers of heaven. It's going to be in the stars. So all this clockwork that you can see with outer space, as we can see it with Hubble and all this technology we have, there are going to be radical things at the end of the age up there. There are going to be signs. But on Earth... The sign is a little more one that we can lay hold of. Look at that detail. Distress of nations with perplexity. Now, the human experience is choppy at best, in its best century, in its best decade, in its best time. But distress of nations with perplexity, it, there's no way out. It's like trying to build a puzzle and you don't have all the puzzle pieces. It's like a Rubik's Cube with colors that don't match up. This perplexity of nations means there's no way out. That in the end of the age, that these, these, it it literally means a quagmire. That the nations as we know them, so all the best efforts of the UN or any other global governments, and that's what's going to make the Antichrist so appealing, is he will seem, appear to resolve these issues when he comes on the scene. But I do believe leading up to those issues, we're going to see perplexity of nations on a level incomprehensible. Now, you look at the immigration crisis on a global scale right now. Forget our situation. Let's just talk Europe. They have perplexity of nations because for 2,000 years, or for 1,500 years, 1,300 years, the worldview between Islamic North Africa and Christian Dome Western Europe are totally incompatible. And now it's all merged together. And there's perplexity of nations. I mean, look at the crisis of Europe right now. 
Look how Poland and Hungary have their, their borders and they, they, they're, not get, they're not playing the game with Merkel and the Germans and the EU and what they want to do. Look at England trying to leave with Brexit, and, but then that ties up all these complexities with Northern Ireland that create issues for trade. And you just like, it is perplexity of nations. You got Venezuela and what they're going through right now and like we're saying we support the other guy and, and then uh, Canada's saying we're with USA, we support the other guy and then British says we're with them, we support them. Europe says we're with you and, and Russia says well we're we're with the other guy and you better not interfere I have a brother in the Lord that does Christian service in Venezuela so I feel very close to these things and I have another friend who's in, uh, basically left the country for his life a few years ago he's the current coach of the Chilean surf team Magna Martinez is Venezuelan and so I'm following very closely stuff. And it's perplexity of nations. There we have people that serve the Lord in Peru, and they've had an influx of all these immigrants coming in from Venezuela because they just want to eat. And nothing against Peru, but if Peru's your best option, you're in a desperate place. And they're going into Ecuador, and they're pouring into Brazil, and Brazil is trying to work with the U.S. to resolve these things all from Venezuela because of the low oil prices and the socialistic dictatorship. It just goes on and on that replaced Ortiz. And it's like, it is perplexity of nations. It's like there's no way out of these things. It's just, it's like a wind chime that you just can't untangle. And Jesus says it here that that's the sign. And if you look at Europe trying to resolve the immigration crisis, you look at the USA trying to resolve the immigration crisis, there, there is no resolution. It's going to play out however it plays out. And borders and nations and cultures and worldviews are being redefined before our eyes. And it, it's, it's perplexity of nations. We're seeing it in a way like, you know, if you look at World War II and World War I, those were allegiances especially coming out of the 1800s of Europe and the European wars, going back to Napoleon and all those cats. It's like, those were all allegiances. So it just took, it, it, was, it was all like, it was like a chessboard and it was big blocky puzzle pieces that all fit together. Now it's just this whole smeared thing and it's perplexities of nations. What are you saying, Joy? I'm saying, I think what we see on our planet right now is a sign of the end times. That's what I'm saying. I think the immigration crisis worldwide, globally, and the mass migration of all different types of people for all different types of reasons is creating a perplexity of nations that the Western world can't seem to resolve, China's yoked to it, and so is Russia. And they're the UN Security Council. It's a perplexity of nations. Look at France. Like, look at these things that are going on right now. I believe it's a sign of the end times. Jesus said it's a sign that the, it's the nationalism is, is into this globalism and, it's, and you can't even define the nations and what the world views are and it's just pure madness. I read this passage at face value and you read this passage at face value and I'd say more than 50% of us read Perplexity of Nations and immediately think what we see in the news on our planet right now. Look at our own government. It's unbelievable. It's just... How's this ever going to work? How's this stuff ever going to work out? It's madness. But we're not to be moved by it. But I'm reading to you from a red letter Bible. What I'm reading to you is in red letters. Pastor of this church reading to you Luke chapter 21, what Jesus is saying about events preceding his return. The sky is falling, it will. 
and men's hearts will fail them because of perplexity of nations. And you look at anxiety and stress amongst people in humanity right now, and you look at the intensity of everybody, the, just, the, just the brutal intensity. I've never seen anything like it. And I ask myself, is it because I'm 57, I just see things more clearly as an older age than when I was 27? Does anyone else ask himself that question? I, mean, I do, but I go, well, no, because it was, it, this is just so, it gets stranger and stranger. It's, it's, it's just incomprehensible the next thing that happens in our society and on this planet in current events. And the whole world can follow each other because we're yoked with all the information age that we have. And the superpowers, not the governments, but the people that control the information, trying to control it and package it and manipulate it to affect the world a certain way for their globalistic agendas. And certainly antichrist agendas too. But when you read that men's hearts are failing them from fear of expectation, those things are coming on the earth, we are to be the exact opposite of that through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, I think the Holy Spirit capsulizes our application from this, however it might apply to our lives and our timeline, our grandkids' timeline, whatever it might be, what your kids might face. Because through Paul the Apostle, the Holy Spirit said to be anxious for nothing, even perplexity of nations. You and I are not going to resolve the global immigration, migration crisis. You and I cannot make the government spend their money more wisely. We can't go to different states and tell them how to implement good laws that will bring blessings on the people as opposed to bad laws that will destroy the people. We can't, we can raise our voice, we can raise our hand in a vote, but in the end, Jesus says how it's going to play out. Now, that's not fatalistic. It's just knowing the game that you're in and how it's playing out. But what we can do is let our light shine before men. And what we can do is have our hearts set toward the Lord to not be moved. So we can say like Paul the Apostle, when facing great fear for his future, he says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me, that I might complete the race that he has set before me and fulfill the ministry that he's entrusted to me. We are to be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, let our requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so when men's hearts are failing them for perplexity of nations and all that's going on, we're to give these things to the Lord and set our minds on the Lord. And the back verse on Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is verse 8. After it says all that, it says this, let the peace of God rule in your heart, because whatever things are true... Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, is there any virtue in them, praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So that's our application to perplexity of nations, signs in the sky, whatever we might face. or what, And forget that, just your own personal life. You don't need the moon to be changing colors or the sun to do something weird as the end of the age to feel like it's the end of the age for you based upon what's going on in your personal life. We, we need not be moved but to have faith and to give things to the Lord and he'll give us peace in whatever we're facing and we don't, we don't need to be moved. The person as Jesus Christ said, peace I leave you, peace I give you, not as the world gives, my peace I give to you. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, to the Colossians said that the peace of God rule in your hearts and whatever we're facing in our life, whatever could cause anxiety, Distress of nations, the sea and the waves roaring. I'm not quite sure what that means, but that just, I've been in a roaring sea, and that's, just, that's a whole other application from this. I, it's there, right there. Uh, men's hearts failing them from fear, 
from, of expectation. And fear of the future is one of the greatest causes of anxiety in the human race. But our faith is in Jesus Christ, and we know he holds the future. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he rose from the grave for our hope and justification. Not that we'd live a crippled life of fear and terror and paralysis through uh, analysis, but that we'd have that simple childlike faith based upon eternal truths in his love for us as an Abba Father, that we would not be moved, but we would draw near to the Lord, we'd trust in the Lord, we'd abide in the Lord, we'd let his promises rule and reign in our hearts where things are true, noble, just, praiseworthy like we just read, and that, that we would be a confident people. And like I was saying today, speaking with Randy Crosco earlier on the phone, our vision is a one of an expanding kingdom. I don't care if the moon falling out of the sky. I want to wake up the same day believing the kingdom of God is going farther out from us than it did the day before. And can I get an amen? I mean, that's how I see it. I want to believe God for, I say this, I, I'm believing God for greater things this year than what was last year. So let the sun change colors, let the constellations move around and let people freak out about that and let the migration, immigration crises play out, however they're going to play out. Man, I wake up tomorrow, love the Lord, love, love your family, love your neighbor, and let your light shine before men and let people see your hope, your joy, your peace in the circumstances of life. Because the church is going to have a place in society right to almost the very end. And it might be us, it might be our kids, it might be our grandkids, or our grandkids, grandkids. We don't know. But this is our time. And there are things that are distressing. Let them not move you. Be firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. It just, we have two choices, faith or fear. Trust or unbelief. Jesus or the raging sea, right? Peter, eyes on Jesus, it's all good. Eyes off Jesus, storm, you start to sink. And it's, it's not a complicated application. And I'm sure most of you know this, but less information outside the word of God is good for you. <laughs> More of the Bible and less of the world is really good right about now. Because that's how, we're, that's how we, um, we don't get moved. If you don't read the Bible and you only watch the news... I saw a political cartoon recently, and it showed someone raging. And they said, what are you upset about? And they said, I'm waiting for the news to tell me. And they're already raging. You know? And it could be Fox or CNN. Who you know? It's just like they're already worked up. Like They're just ready for the next thing to get worked up about. We don't want to be those people. Jesus said in verse 27, the Son of Man will come in cloud with power and great glory. At the end of the age, he's coming with the armies of heaven, and I believe we're coming with him in glorified bodies. It is not yet revealed what, he, what we will be, but when he comes in his glory, we will come with him in his glory, the New Testament tells us. Now this last thing we read, verse 29. Then he, that is, Jesus spoke to them a parable. He said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. Not just the fig, but all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happen, happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple. This is all that last holy week. But at night, he went out and stayed at the mountain called Olivet. And then early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. 
What an amazing week that was with Jesus in Jerusalem. Just incredible to try and wrap your mind around him teaching the temple and all the people there listening and what he was teaching. And to this day, it's still the eternal word of God and it's preserved for us and we're reading it here tonight. Just amazing. But in this parable, he said for that last generation that once the fullness of these things that Jesus spoke of began to happen, that that generation, it's not like it's going to draw like, the end game doesn't draw out for like two or three generations. The end game plays itself out in one generation. That's what he's saying here. Now, back when Hal Lindsey wrote The Late Great Planet Earth, they all speculated a generation was 40 years. So back in the 70s, they thought it was 40 years and done. A generation could be 70 years. People pointed out that a generation could just be talking of a people group. I don't know. But I think it's safe to say contextually what Jesus is saying is once these things really move into motion, they're not going to, it's going to be one generation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in a, a short period of time, which is consistent with what the Bible says about Daniel's 70th week. I think that's the right understanding of it. And I do think it's very Jewish in its context again. But a couple things that apply to us on the end of the night here as we wrap up this study. He said that um, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, the Bible talks about the end of this planet, even as we know it, and a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to get a redo. We've been born again. We get a redo. The universe is going to get a redo, just like you get when you receive the Holy Spirit and you believe in Christ and receive Christ. It's amazing. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word, his word will never pass away. This is why it's so crucial in all the things that would seek to move us that we, we build our lives upon the rock of God's word from Genesis to Revelation and, and trust his word. Let him speak to us from his word. Let his word be the compass of our lives and light unto our path. And let it transform us from glory to glory as we trust in his word as we believe his word, as we apply his word and live his word. And then we're told in verse 34 from this parable, an application, take heed to ourselves. Take heed to worldly distractions and sinful distractions. To take heed to ourselves. You know, there can be the sun's fallen, (laughs) the moon's fallen, the stars are fallen, and the nations are in great perplexity. But in the end, when you wake up on January 27th tomorrow morning, You're the person you see in the mirror. I'm the person I see in the mirror. Whatever's going on there, there, to the south, to the north, to the east and the west on this planet, you and I have the responsibility and the stewardship of our personal life and what we choose to do with our life tomorrow. That is self-determination, or as the Bible calls, free will. And Jesus is saying, and this is so applicable for the church and for all of us tonight, he's saying, hey, you, take heed to yourselves. Like, just take heed to yourselves. Accept the responsibility for our lives and what we're doing with our lives. And make good decision with our lives. And let the Lord make those decisions. And then, of course, he says in verse 36, watch and be praying and that you be counted worthy. Now, we saw back in the previous chapter, those who are worthy to attain to the resurrection age are worthy because of their faith in Jesus Christ and the righteousness we have through faith in him. So... This final application coming from this, uh, this parable is really about having our hearts always prepared for eternity. Jesus could come for the church any day. In Matthew 24, he says, be watching, be ready. 
you know, just be watching, be ready for the Son of Man comes in an hour you do not expect. And we want to be ready for him coming for the church to catch us up. And to just live with that, that in that relationship and that expectation, it's, it's not complicated. We're in the age of the Gentiles. We are the church. And we are in a time of great perplexity. We must admit that. But we cannot be moved from faith. And we cannot let anxiety rule our life. But we need the peace of God's word and his promises and the presence of the Holy Spirit to rule our life. And we just, we just need to trust his word and um, just look in the mirror and take heed to ourselves with what's entrusted to us. And we do well to do that and to be fruitful and just to let our light so shine before men. We all have a stewardship. We all have a calling. We want to let our light shine before men. That's our responsibility. That's my responsibility. We all have placement and enablement from the Lord. And what's going to happen in this universe and over this planet is going to happen. But we're here to know the joy of the Lord, to know the abundant life of the Lord, and to live in the promises of the Lord, and to shine that in all of life's circumstances till he calls us home or comes back for all of us collectively as his church. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.